0: He covers the Jazz for the South Lake Tribune. He's our friend Eric Walden. Eric, what's going on, man?
1: Oh, not much. There's there's pretty much <laughs> nothing going on these days, right? <laughs> nothing at all. No, just, no. Uh, NBA beat writers, just bored.
2: Yeah, all yeah. they do is they're packing in what usually takes, what, three and a half months into about uh, three weeks. So.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of I'm sleeping in until – noon, I'm on the Tony <laughs> Jones schedule, just kind of puttering around my house. You know, not much going on at all these days.
2: We were, we were just talking, Eric, about your uh, the story that you had in the Tribune today, and uh, boy, there's a lot to digest there. What If you were to boil it down, what do you think is most important for jazz fans to keep in mind during, over the next little bit?
1: Yeah, so... Basically, what I what I covered was um, just kind of how the salary cap staying put and the luxury tax line staying put kind of should make jazz fans I don't know hedge their bets a little bit on on what's going to happen. You know, everyone's been hoping for the team to be able to bring back Jordan Clarkson on a new deal. Uh, go out and acquire a veteran or two using the the mid-level exception, and then maybe get another guy with the biannual exception on top of that. And uh, basically what it comes down to is if you look at all the money that the Jazz have committed to guys already with Mike Conley's big deal, Rudy's deal, Boyan's deal, and, um, you know, in order to do all of those things, this is a team that would, probably most likely have to go into the luxury tax to do it and as we all know that's not something uh, this organization has done on a consistent basis you know dennis lindsey has said that uh, in the past he's had permission from the millers to do so if if he can justify it if he can say you know we think we're close to a championship um, so it'll be interesting to see what what Ryan Smith uh, has to say about the situation, whether he's a little more willing to go into the tax or not, because that might be what it takes in order to really kind of improve this team around the margins the way that most fans are hoping.
0: And the the answer to that question is, is really interesting, right, Eric, when it comes to, to Jordan Clarkson, because if they don't. Sign Jordan Clarkson. It's not like they can use that money somewhere else. That basically goes away because they're already over the cap. So uh, it it would actually really benefit them to to kind of take that risk and re-sign him because of his importance to the team. And they couldn't really do
1: anything with that cash anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, he, Jordan Clarkson is, is found money. You you put it perfectly in that. If they don't retain him, it's not like they suddenly have. I mean, he made what this last year? Just over thirteen he made about thirteen and a half million this last season. It's not like if they let him go, if they if they don't bring him back, that all of a sudden they have, you know, another another guy available to them for thirteen and a half million. No. He there's no replacing him if he leaves, if he doesn't come back. So it makes all the sense in the world for them to try and and retain him. I mean, unless they just decide that his tenure here was a Total an epic disaster and he's not worth it and they should just uh, use the money on whatever they can get for, for the mid-level exception which is going to be a little over $9.5 million as I understand it but um, yeah, ob- obviously Jordan Clarkson made a huge impact here once they acquired him from Cleveland right before Christmas um, that Jazz bench was, was an absolute disaster scoring wise before his arrival and you know he kind of He got them up to the 20th best scoring bench unit in the league or thereabouts, which doesn't sound great, but when you consider that they were absolutely dead last before his arrival, that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. So, yeah, uh, they'll, they'll try to bring Jordan Clarkson back. I guess the question will be, you know, does he want to be back? Well, what do you think the answer to that is, Eric? That's that's a good question. I I think there's no reason why he wouldn't necessarily want to be back. Like there's there's nothing that happened here or occurred here that would preclude him from wanting to come back. Um, Really, what it comes down to is this is a this is a guy who was drafted in the second round by the Lakers, uh, outperformed that draft status uh, sufficiently that the Lakers wound up giving him a four-year extension. A couple years later, you know, uh, he got a four-year, $60 million deal. He gets traded to Cleveland. You know, this is the first time in his career that he's been an unrestricted free agent. And so, you know, he he basically put it out there that um, because this is the first time he's had that uh, luxury, he's going to take a look. Now, the Jazz are kind of in a fortuitous situation in that, you know, with, with everything that happened this past season, with the economics of the NBA as they are, where where revenue went down, what, 20%, I think they said, um, there's a lot of teams that that aren't going to have a whole lot of extra money to throw at Jordan Clarkson like there might otherwise be, you know, and and on top of that, a lot of teams who do have money who are saving it for 2021 when the free agent class is considered a superior one, so – you know, the Jazz have the advantage of being able to offer him more money. Uh, he's played here. He, he's familiar with the guys here and the coaching staff. He enjoyed it from everything that we heard. Um, you know, he, he got to make the playoffs for the first time since that bit uh, role that he had on, on the LeBron James Cavaliers a few years ago. Um, so I think, you know, signs are encouraging. But, again, it, it'll it'll probably come down to, you know, what do the two sides feel comfortable with salary-wise? You know, guys in his situation obviously would expect to get a raise. Do the Jazz want to go beyond $13.5 million? I mean, we're we're talking about the competition for him being maybe teams offering those, those mid-level exceptions that they've got. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. But there are some things working in the Jazz's favor for sure.
0: So coming back to the uh, the agreement yesterday, Eric, and I, I'm kind of trying to d- digest what's going on within the league, and I can't help but compare it to baseball, where the owners and the players have have been uh, they have not gotten along and basically ensured that there's going to be some sort of work stoppage before we see baseball again. The NBA has been much different, and it, the way I read, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday's agreement is the is really the owners are are stepping up to the plate here, where they're taking basically all the short term loss by not uh moving the salary cap down. I thought the the up to 10 to 20% uh in escrow, I thought that was an extraordinarily reasonable number. It just feels like the the owners are kind of taking responsibility in the short term and and have been very amenable. Am I reading that correctly?
1: You you absolutely are. Yeah, where where the NBA differs from MLB is that for now anyway, for these last few years the relationship between, you know, the Board of Governors, between ownership or governors or whatever the, the term is that we're using now and the Players Association has not become a toxic one like we see in baseball. In baseball, you know, they can't, they can't agree on what the meal is that comes between breakfast and dinner. You know, that, that's where they're at. Um, in basketball, they seem to come at it from a much more pragmatic point of view. Where, yeah, the owners are saying, are, are, are definitely putting up more than they have to. By the salary cap remaining where it is, that's the owners stepping up. You know, if we had gone from, uh, for those who don't know, the salary cap every year is, is kind of derived from what we call basketball-related income. There's a lot of things that go into that, ticket sales, uh, concessions in arenas um jersey sales even up to naming rights for for arenas and practice facilities things like that the nba lost so much money this last year that if we were just to stick with the basketball related income formula the salary cap should have dropped from 109 million to 90 million dollars so it's kind of a 19 million dollar drop in one season and the owners to their credit realized that uh That would have been ridiculous to do that. You know, how many teams would have had to trade players or or release players or not sign players or, you know, not spent on anyone, just gone out and signed uh, guys for the veterans minimum in order to try to get under that. It it would have been just incredibly impractical. So, yeah, Um, the thing that we had seen over the last couple of weeks that was kind of the holdup, in terms of getting this deal officially done was that escrow that you referenced, Jeff, Jake, where, um, you know, in order to balance that basketball related income every year, the players uh, set aside some money from their, from their checks. And then at the end of the year, um, you know, players and, and, and owners are supposed to make roughly a 50, 50 split. And so that money they set aside from escrow is to kind of, balance that out. If they got paid a little more during the year, that escrow goes to the owners. If they didn't p- get paid quite enough, yeah, uh, th- it goes back to the players. So, yeah, them being able to come up with an agreement on that was really, you know, th- and, and it did take a couple weeks. You know, we were looking at kind of, we had the details of the 72-game season a few weeks ago. We had kind of the basic framework in place a few weeks ago, and what was holding it up was, was these escrow negotiations. And so, yeah, for them to settle on this 20% mark, nothing higher than 20% over the next three seasons was, was kind of the tipping point. And yeah, that, that speaks volumes about the relationship that there is between ownership and, and the Players Association in that they are kind of willing to reap the tea leaves of what's going on and come to a mutually beneficial uh, solution.
2: Eric, Jake thinks that uh, next time there's a negotiation that the the owners are going to come to the players and say, hey, remember we did you a solid there uh, Oh yeah. something back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. There's going to be a little bit of that. Yeah,
1: there will definitely be some of that. But um, at the same time, you know, that, that only goes so far. We're at a point now where, you know, I was talking about how the basketball-related income Uh, is is effectively a 50-50 split between the two sides in this uh, current collective bargaining agreement. A few years ago, it was a 57-43 split, you know? So um, there's always a little give and take there. There's always a little bit of wiggle room based upon who has the perceived advantage in certain situations. I can't see these sides kind of, you know... uh, Obviously, owners are not in this to lose money, you know. There, there are some owners who are a bit more uh, thrifty than others. There are some who, who are more basketball fans than others and thus are more willing to, to put money in, to pour money in, to make their team more competitive. But, you know, no no owner in the NBA is like, you know, I love basketball so much that I really just don't care about turning any kind of profit whatsoever you know, no one is that philanthropic about their love of basketball. So if they're in it to make money. It is still a business. We will probably see some of these conversations come up um, in the next CBA, which uh, fortunately does run for a few more seasons. It, it's guaranteed for, I want to say, two more seasons at least, after which there's a mutual opt-out. So, you know, we've got a few years to kind of figure this out and, and hopefully get society running again and the world running again and, and sports running again like they should hopefully getting to a point where we can have fans in arenas buying overpriced you know hot dogs and cokes and popcorn and 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 buying Donovan Mitchell jerseys and and that'll help fix everything so we've got a little time for it to uh, work itself out
2: Eric I got a question as it pertains to the 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 luxury tax is there a downside to going into the luxury tax other than the the punitive money that must go forward it once you're there
1: that that really is it you know it comes down to yeah there once you get to certain levels of being over the luxury tax the penalties become more onerous you know if you're a little bit over, it's it's a dollar for dollar penalty. If you're a little more than that over, it's a dollar fifty in tax for every dollar you're over. Beyond that, you're you're paying two dollars in tax for every dollar you're over. So you know, there's a lot of owners who just simply say it's not financially worth it to me to spend that much money. And you know, the NBA also wants to maintain some semblance of competitive balance, which is why they put. Those taxes in place, you know, they don't want Steve Ballmer uh, to be able to just go out and outspend everyone every year because he can. You know, obviously he's a guy who makes more than. Um, and this is a bad example because jazz fans aren't going to cry for the Lakers, but the Bus family does not have a business other than the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, that's where they make all their money, and certainly they're not in the poorhouse, but they don't have. You know tens of billions of dollars to go out and negotiate if, if uh, NBA free agency were just a completely open totally open market system. So yeah, really it comes down to you know what's an owner's willingness to spend to go into the tax a little bit. and you know it's it's not a it's not a cheap thing you know That's we're, we're not- talking about we're talking about spending. Hundred nine million dollars is is the cap, and uh, one hundred thirty two million roughly is is the tax line for you know fifteen guys on a roster. Like you know, you you do the math. I'm not going to do the math because I'm bad at math. That's why I went into journalism so I could work with words <laughs> instead of numbers. But um, yeah, it, it's not an insignificant amount that they're that they're putting out there. But there's no strategic limitation
2: as far as personnel moves and that sort of thing, other than the uh, financial considerations.
0: Yeah,
1: you're you're right, there, Corey.
0: Eric, last thing for me before we let you go, and not that uh, you know, I share all of my proud dad moments on the air, but I thought you'd be appre- uh, would appreciate what happened to me today. All right, so <clears throat> uh, I, I guess I should say weeks ago, while I was uh, being forced to go to Target, I found a uh, a. <laughs> Guns and Roses t shirt that would fit my three year old. So of course I bought it more for me than, than really for her. Uh but this morning as she was picking out her clothes, she picked out her Guns N' Roses t shirt and says, I want to be twinners with dad. So I am at the warehouse in my guns and roses t shirt.
1: <laughs> that is awesome news. Um, that is I, I am happy to hear that. That brings that puts a lot of joy in my heart. Uh <laughs> We do have a little bit of work to do. Um, my wife can tell you that I am now on day 40 in a row of wearing a different band t-shirt every day. Nice. I got, I got all my band t-shirts. We've been doing a lot of house renovation. My closet's been a disaster. Uh, the whole house has been a disaster. So I, got up, I gathered up all my band t-shirts. I said, I'm going to wear a different one every day because I have no idea how many I have. We'll see how many days in a row we can get to. Uh, I'm on day 40 right now, and and only two Guns N' Roses t-shirts thus far, so we've got a few more to go. <laughs> so what's the awesome. most
2: obscure band t-shirt
1: that you own, Eric? Ooh, the most obscure one that I own. Um, let's see. Probably, let's, let's go with a band called Magna Carta cartel from Sweden <laughs> why do you have that, that. random <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have that uh, they were It's it's an it's a precursor to a metal band that's kind of decently popular right now called ghost um, they were the reason Magna Carta cartel were the reason that I decided to finally... Uh, that my wife and I decided to get a passport. They, they had been kind of defunct since around 2008. And then a couple of years ago, they reformed and announced they were playing some concerts in London. And kind of almost on a whim, uh, we decided to go. We, we were familiar with the band. We loved their music. And we decided we were going to go see their second show back. And it was amazing. We, we went some tiny little hole-in-the-wall pub in in some neighborhood in London and had a blast. Pretty cool.
0: Eric, you are the man. Thank you so much for coming on and helping us make sense of uh, all this and uh, negotiating and such to get to the next NBA season. Thanks, buddy. And have Any fun, fun for guys. the Take next there.
2: month. Uh, yeah, Eric's going yeah. to be very busy, Jake. <laughs> no
0: doubt about it. Eric Walden, uh, one of the best. Covers the Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. We love it when he has a chance to, uh, bet- to jump on the show.
2: I'll bet you this is the longest, uh, well, this is true for a lot of people, but especially for a guy like Eric who has uh, made a real study of music and he's been a music critic. And I don't know how many concerts he averaged over the last 10 years of his life, but I'll bet you it was a whole lot. And now there's, like, no concerts
0: going on, you know? All right, we'll have more coming up straight ahead. It's Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.